Hello, people of the internet. I hope you are all doing well, and thank you so much for coming to hang out with me today. For those of you who are new here, welcome to Start the Beat, a podcast documenting the past, present, and future of the Pittsburgh music scene. I am your host, Brian Sykes Howe, and today, my friends Sue and Abby from the band Tiny Wars will be joining me on the show. For those of you who were here last week and listened to my episode with the boys in constant hell, thanks for coming back. I think you're going to really dig today's conversation. We had a fantastic talk about growing up with music, pursuing your passions, and making a lot of great friends along the way. Thumbs up to all of that. This is a super fun episode. It was a super positive episode, and I'm super excited to share it with all of you. So please, sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfuck. Welcome to Start the Beat, the show where we highlight the past, present, and future of the Pittsburgh music scene. My name is Brian Sykes Howe. I am your host, and today I am joined by the one and only Tiny Wars. Make some noise. (laughs) That wasn't too bad. That wasn't too bad. But the music needs to just kind of... Oh, yeah. We got to get it to fade out on its own. Sexy. Sue? Abby, thanks for being here. How are you both doing? Really good. Thanks for having us. Really good. I just had a Kaiser Pilsner at Penn Brewery for the first time. Ooh. And it made me feel pretty happy. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Sue has been looking for a spot for excellent German food. She hasn't found yet. Have not found that yet in Pittsburgh to date. I have found good German beer. Uh, including Penn Brewery today and Trace Brewing mm. has excellent German style beer, in my opinion. But German food, eh, not so much. <laughs> now, do you think that that has to do with just the quality of food production in America to begin with? Or do you think that there's something more other than just like more to like the, the process? culturally. Yeah. I don't think so. I think it's just a, the preparation of the food. Yeah. Yeah. Sue has uh, treated us to a couple of dinners over the years where it's, you know, raclette. Is that yeah, right? that's a Swiss. That's Swiss. That's she, a she Swiss speaks delicacy. German, but she is from Switzerland. But yeah. um, but her knowledge of German food and, and, the, and it's certainly her opinion and what she likes about it. I, I default to her on that all the time, but she has cooked for us. And um, man, I feel like I could thrive over there with what you've, made us before like anything that's pickled <laughs> potatoes covered in cheese yeah. i'm like mm. you are speaking to every pleasure center in my brain <laughs> so yeah. this is probably somewhat similar to the fact that you know you can make a really good song on a shitty guitar <laughs> right i uh, a thousand percent agree <laughs> it's all about the feel man yeah a thousand percent agree you can make a really good song using two notes you you can and you, you can, can make really good German food with, you know. One piece of dough. <laughs> <laughs> some water and some salt. Yeah. Probably. Sue knows what she's doing. So I, again, mm. I default to her when she tells me if it's good or bad. I'm like, all right, you're right. That is, this is shit. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, aside from German food, we're talking about probably some rock and roll today. Mm. Guitar playing, writing songs all of those sort of things. For those of you out there that do not know, Tiny Wars is a band. That's probably why they're on the show. You know, they make music. It's a pop rock focused sort of thing. I'd say like pop new wave. Pop is new what wave. like, but we're- Kind of kind of power pop, kind of not, kind of, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little bit of a, a grit to it, I would say. I agree with that. I think mm-hmm. that it's like distilled from a lot of people that have probably played harder music throughout the years that are kind of like, well, we want to 
maybe mature gracefully and maybe want to do some uh, do some different things, but still want to make music. It's really hard to be a fan of like alternative, aggressive, harder music and like age gracefully, I have found. I think it is too. Well, that's a very interesting thought. But I think part of that and where Sue kind of comes into my life in that way is that when you especially like let's let's just isolate with the Pittsburgh scene like you get known for a style right and I, I'd imagine you know maybe you get boxed in sometimes whereas you have other musical interests uh, interest rather that you want to explore and because Sue is coming from you know a really talented space but still outside of that Pittsburgh community she gives the people in the band who otherwise may be known for one thing an opportunity to do something completely different mm. in a way that maybe another Pittsburgh musician might not have even seen the potential for. So if, you know, uh, if I'm taking my own experience of, you know, metal bands and hard rock bands, um, if she had known me for the last 15 years, she may have never asked me to do a project like this, but because that was not the context that she had, all of a sudden yeah. we're coming in and going, hey, you can do something completely different here. This is like the first time I've had a full runway to do whatever I'd like to do. Totally. You know, I, I find it, it's really fascinating to uh, find the boxes that we sometimes unintentionally put ourselves in. Yeah. Because, you know, if I think that anybody that is genuinely passionate about songwriting likes all kinds of different music. So it always has really been interesting to me throughout my whole life as I've, as I've done different kinds of music, different bands, metal, hip hop, indie rock, all that stuff. People were like, when people were surprised by that, it's just like, I just love music, dude. Like it seems simple, but for some people that aren't musicians or artists, I can understand why it's like, they put you in that box of being like, oh, you know, you're Abby and you're in this metal band and that's all you're ever going to be mm -hmm. to them. And that's scary. Totally. Super scary. Yeah. But sometimes also when you've done it for a few years or many years, it kind of like becomes your comfort zone, right? You can and get then, fat and happy doing that for sure. Exactly. Yeah. And then maybe sometimes it's nice to be challenged by someone if, you know, whether it be intentional or unintentional or challenge yourself and kind of like become a more well-rounded musician or just like go beyond the things you've done before, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. I think that ultimately it's just a matter of like doing what makes you happy mm -hmm. as an artist. Um, I think that there are plenty of people that have, that I know that have done one kind of thing the entire time and that's all they really like. That's their fucking thing. They're passionate about it. They're really good at it. That's we cool. We can say fuck on this. That's Absolutely. Great. Absolutely. <laughs> broke the right. fuck barrier. Yeah. There's the fuck barrier. <gasps> okay. <laughs> Every time we say fuck, can you hit that? Absolutely. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I totally lost our place because I was so excited about saying fuck. Me too. <laughs> But yes, I know. I, I imagine, Abby, you just getting the chance to say fuck on a microphone is probably really exciting. It's so good. It's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny it because so good. Um, almost like, you know, anything that I would do in my day job where, um, you know, uh, you're letting in a lot of people of different age groups and belief systems and whatever, and you got to go a little more middle of the road. But every like private meeting that I have is just not FCC friendly. And I love that about it because everybody's like, how do you not swear on the air? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, it's it's right. just like whenever you know your grandma's yeah. around and you just kind of reel right. it in. I don't know. It's a real <laughs> fest. It's a right? real mm, fest. Yeah. Fest. So you've done music for a long time both of you individually, and now you're working on music together. Yes. Let's do this whole kind of generic, how did Tiny Wars begin sort of question. How'd you two find each other? When I first moved here about five years ago, I already had some friends and contacts in the local music scene because um, of my husband, uh, Dave Wheeler, who has been very, you know, um, connected here. And I knew people like Deb from Lady Beast. And after 
I had settled in, it took me a minute. I remember I, I hit her up to just jam a little bit in our practice space because I hadn't made music in way too long and I was starting to really um, feel the consequences of that. I was like, oh my God, who am I? I don't feel like a person. I have to make music. I have to do something. So I just hit up a couple people I know just for fun. And we met up and she brought her friend Rocco, who's also in Tiny Wars now. And eventually she brought Abby, um, whom she introduced as this like, you know, super cool rock bitch <laughs> to me. And I was like, that sounds really good. Like, just bring, just bring her, you know? She said something like that, you know? She said something like that. And I remember that because I was like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, that always sounds good. And we just jammed a little bit and um, it was fun, but nothing really came of it. Deb was way too busy anyway. I mean, um, you know, she has so many projects, whether um, it be music or... Advocacy, she's always busy. Yeah. yeah. So... Uh, that kind of fizzled out. And then I did not see Abby in a while. I probably thought I was never going to see her again, but mm. I recorded a song that I had had for a while and randomly decided on a whim to send it to her via email. And I thought, you know, maybe she hates it. Maybe she likes it, whatever. And what did you... I just, I stopped and I went, did, did you write this? Because to also clarify, Sue was playing the drums when we were just jamming out. Mm. And it was like, you know, again, we were, we were playing like Black Sabbath songs just to play <laughs> yeah. something, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, it, but she was playing the drums and she never said in any of those meetings that she was a songwriter or that she could lead a band. So like my context again of what she was capable of was, oh, she's a drummer. And so um, when she sent me that, I think that was my first question. I would text her and I'm like, did you, did you write this? And she said, yeah, I have like a ton of songs. And I went, okay, well, I guess we figured out what our band's going to sound like. Now I, now I see it. And oddly enough, whenever um, we started piecing together, maybe what would ultimately become Tiny Wars, the first person that I recommended we get in touch with was Rocco. She's like, I already know who that is. So we got him. Then we got Aaron. <laughs> um, we had a, a, a kind of temporary, maybe like session drummer for a little while. And now we have um, Dennis who uh, used to play in the motorcycles with me. Um, so I, you know, that's also like a little full circle moment. That's really cool. Um, Cause that was maybe one of the first bands that I was in that in Pittsburgh, I felt was very visible in the scene. So it's like cool for, you know, kind of to your earlier point about growing up in the scene and having the ability to change and grow up a little bit with your sound or what kind of musician you are. And it's been cool to have him kind of back in the fold. Yeah. That too. That's awesome. So, you know, Abby, I have like a pretty good idea on like your background as a musician, just because we've lived in the same city sure. for a very long time. Uh, Sue, I don't know so much about like you and what you were into growing up and like what some of your first bands were like, if you would care to share any of that information. Sure. Um, I, kind of grew up on music as like a, you know, just a daily occurrence that was always around because my dad's a musician. And uh, I remember starting to go through his stash of, his and my mom's stash of records from a pretty young age. Um, I remember me and my brother, we had this game where we, um, whoever found the scariest record first had to like, <laughs> had to like yell scary man and then run away. <laughs> And then we had, I had to find him. And the scary record was, um, um, uh, what's it called? King Crimson. Mm. Ah, that's a good one. The Court of the it. Crimson King. Exactly. Yeah. And that was Got so it. scary to us. And they had this big like treasure kind of like, like box yeah. where all the records were in. And we had this game where we um, had to find this record. But anyway, so I, I got into, you know, all the stuff like the Beatles and Led Zeppelin and a lot of power pop because um, late 80s, early 90s, my my parents were into power pop, like Squeeze, uh, Joe Jackson, Elvis Costello, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, and then when I got a little older, I started to discover metal and hard rock. And I remember listening to the Scorpions for the first time and I was like, oh my God, <laughs> this is so like bad and like sexual. <laughs> it really felt like 
tasting a forbidden fruit. <laughs> you know, like yeah, sure. I remember hearing those songs that were obviously like, even though I was like 12, I kind of knew, you know, what the gist was. And I was like, oh my God, this is like so like heavy and bad. And I was, so, I was hooked. So, you know, um, that's that. And I had uh, plenty of bands throughout my life. Some were like um, a lot of like 70s rock or I, I was in an all-girl grunge band for a while back home. And I just tried to evolve as a songwriter and as a musician, you know? Yeah, totally. I just kind of knew instinctively that that was what I wanted to do and who I was. I think that it's really fun whenever you grow up listening to a lot of music. You already have like such a foundation for like maybe the kind of stuff that you want to make going into it. And it makes it a lot of fun to just like go in and start to replicate this stuff that like you grew up with. Mm -hmm. I always find it really interesting. Sometimes I talk to people on this show and it's like, yeah, like I didn't really start listening to music until I was like 16. I have like a hard time relating with people that are like that. Nothing against it. I mean, your journey is your journey. Totally. But I find that like sometimes like when you grow up with it, it's just like it's in your DNA a little bit different. I, yeah, definitely. I, the way that she talks about music is like a, a really good way of personifying that feeling. When you grow up with it, the way that she says, you know, like when you're out of a band and I know that like personally in my you know, life, I've, I've quit a bunch of times where yeah. I go, I'm not going to do this anymore. Like, it's just, why, why am I doing this? And then inevitably, yeah. and I love the way that you put it is like, you just don't feel like yourself anymore. You're yeah. you lost something, or there's some part of you that needs to be released that you've now kind of caged by not having that outlet. And, um, that's like something that kind of can't be denied. And that's that in my mind is kind of what makes you a musician right? Because there's d different degrees of musicality as well. But the desire, need, and compulsion to create, yes. it's kind of a vocation for you that you realize that even if you never make a dollar on it, you still have to create something. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of person I think that, that Sue is and and certainly where I feel like- Not can, that I don't want to make a Not dollar. that we don't. <laughs> we will only fans this shit in a second. We do not care. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's really freeing though to be in a place where, you know, you can make art that not only that like you love, but that you working with people that are also in it together- and you find those other people that kind of like speak the same air quote language, yes, you know, and you can true. start to write music together and start to build this thing. Because I think that all the times that I've been in situations where I've quit the band or something like that, or I've left a situation, you know, it's like, I do feel empty, but it's like most of the time we weren't speaking the same language anyway. Uh, see. You know, you get a lot of people that, I think want to do something and it's like, it's like, a, it's like any other relationship, you know, like before you find your life partner, right. Mm -hmm. You are in other relationships with other people. And it's like, you know, we're not ultimately, we're not speaking the same language. We mm -hmm. can't have the same uh, soul conversation with each other. It's like you know? thinking you have a type and then finding out, no, you don't. <laughs> sure. Sure. You have people that you connect with. Yeah. Well, you learn what you want and what you don't want. Mainly. Yes. So, you know, it was probably important for you or for us to be in these other bands and, and learn what we learned because otherwise we wouldn't be who we are now and we wouldn't be where we're at now. There's no snowball's chance in hell that I would have had the mindset or patience to do Tiny Wars 10 years ago. There's no way that I would have been musically ready for it. And there's no way that I would have had the wherewithal to slow myself down and say, okay, we're not hiding behind distortions and fuzz pedals and all that kind of stuff. Like I just wouldn't have had it. Um, it came at the perfect time mm -hmm. where I was already in a mindset to go, I want to be released of this thing that's kind of boxed me in. Sure. You know? Sure. It's scary too though. You know, whenever you are getting to that point and like, again, mentioning like 
dabbling with you, Abby, working in like a genre of music that isn't like, for me, it's not too different from anything that you had done in the past, yeah, but no. I understand that trajectory, it, but it's yeah. still like palatable, accessible. Accessible is the word sure. I would use. And I don't, yeah. I, don't, I but have more, it's way more pop centric. But there's like nothing yeah, wrong like with the, that. Like metal that you you've done. In well, the I think about like, I was not aware that there were bands that I was in that wouldn't be accessible. Cause to me, like, that is just like rock music, you pussy. Like, why, why, why isn't this accessible? Like, why can't this be played in front of children? <laughs> why don't you get it? Why don't you get it, loser? But like now I'm kind of looking at it and going like, oh, okay. Because one of the, you know, and even in, um, while I was in Fist Fight in the Parking Lot, there was another death metal band that I was in called Necrophagia that was like really um, on the extreme side of things, but also it was around the time that I was becoming a wife and eventually a parent. And there was a part of that that felt like a costume at some point because we were going on an ethos that I didn't know that I was mentally in anymore. We were still trying to do it. And I felt like um, in that project in particular, I was just really happy to do, I was super pumped to write that album with them and and kind of, you know, play live and, and meet all these cult of personalities. But at the same time, um, it was almost like studying for like a, a physics exam like every week because I didn't, I don't know that I wanted it as much. Sure. Um, and so then I, I did have some time take, you know, that I took away just being, you know, a parent and still being in fist fight, but adjusting to all that. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, then it really did feel like time to do something different. And honestly, it had to be really special if I was going to do it again. Because again, all those times where you're like, music is hard and it hurts my feelings and I don't want to do it anymore. And then all of a sudden, you know, somebody just incredible comes into your life and then you go, shit, I'm totally going to do this again. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's, it's always going to be work. Like, oh, yeah. You know, it's not like just... Um, you know, ponies and butterflies and, and fun. And it's, it's, it's a lot of fucking work. Push the button. A lot of fucking work. There you go. <laughs> and, um, you know, for, for the music and for our relationship, we, you, you know, we nurture it. We, we, we put a lot of effort into it, you know, um, conscious effort. Yeah. And I mean, it pays off, but it's, you really have to want this. Otherwise, this is not going to work. There's no way in hell. I agree. It's it's very unforgiving, you know. Yeah. It's um, sometimes not very um, rewarding, but you just there's just this this voice inside of me. There's just this this urge that I I I really have to do it. It's not a choice. It's it. I have to do it. Absolutely. Otherwise, I don't exist. So, mm -hmm. you know, I understand and I, I relate with that a hundred percent. I find that the most important thing as I've gotten older and continue to make music myself is it's not about like what I'm doing, but really like who I'm doing it with. Like mm -hmm. the environment is yeah. everything because like True. having the right people around me, like actually like helps me keep my head in it because anytime where I'm like, I can't do this, I'm around people that are telling me I can. And that's like huge because like, you know, I could sit in my room and write all the songs that I want by myself all day, but it's like, ultimately, like I do want to be in a band. You know, I always think about like growing up watching like the Iron Maiden live after death VHS tape, <laughs> you know, and it's like, I want to be Steve Harris. Funny enough, I never played a bass in my fucking life, <laughs> but that's where it started, yeah. you know? And it's just like, that's the thing. I want to be in a band. I want to be in this bigger thing and, have these experiences and write these songs, but with people and like people that I care about. Yeah. And it's like, it's so much just like about finding the right people. I think sometimes people can overlook that. Um, and it's like, I mean, I've been in those bands where it's like, again, I, I think I'm just kind of repeating what I said earlier, where it's like, everybody just wants to be in a band and these projects kind of happen that are, I don't want to say doomed to fail, but it's like- They if you might just not have the infrastructure yeah, to survive. Yeah, if yeah. you don't, if you don't like support each other um, like outside of like just showing up to play, like if you're not just there and like willing to do the work that, you know, that, that Sue had mentioned yeah. where it's like, if you're not able to like help lift each other up, pick up the pieces, it's like a family, right? Where it's like yeah. everybody has to be able to 
support each other in some sort of a way exactly. and for it to I, work. And then I've found over the years that a lot of people say they really want this, right? And they they say like, you know, I, I really want to go for it and I really want to make it and um, I'll do whatever it takes, but they, then they don't do shit. Well, sure. But that's where it gets gets hard, or, or they don't know what the shit is. To they do don't to know make what the happen. steps are. It's like you can't to get from A to B, and that's just like they can't mentally afford it. Mm-hmm. That's a good way of putting it. You know, it's that that is like a, the mental load mm-hmm. of yes, there's this payoff or potential at the end, but it has so many steps along the way, and yeah. none of them are sexy. No, exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's so many hurdles. You need you need stamina, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Tons of it. And a lot of people might, you know, have a good ear for songs, be good songwriters. They they just, you know, but they don't have the stamina you need if you want to get anywhere. Like say for example, somebody might ask me like, "Hey, Brian, I'm interested in starting a podcast." Tell me how. Tell me how. I'm like, do you really want to do it? And they're like, yeah. I'm like, like, do you really want to do it? Yeah. You know, you just need the passion. That's right. the thing. Like, how do I record stuff at home? It's like, well, you need to really want to fucking do it. Yeah. And stop and then, putting and it the, on a pedestal. Like and then, it's something you can't do. Yeah. Right. You yeah. Because like you'll get like, there's some people, I'm thinking of one person in particular right now where it's like, they always come up to me with an idea. Mm. And it's just like, look, all you got to do is have the passion and maybe a laptop that half works. You can start a podcast with that. <laughs> you can. You can make it work. When I started the podcast, I had like a, a Windows 98 computer and Aww. one USB microphone. Aww. That was all I had. I just put wee, one microphone, wee. you know? But like I, I wanted to do it. Yeah. yeah. And like it wasn't exactly like perfect, but you know, it was like I wanted to do it. I made it work. That brings us back to what you said at the very beginning. You don't necessarily need like expensive gear and all that shit. Like it's fun to have, but if you really want to do it and if you if you want to write good songs, you don't need like a $6,000 Gibson guitar. No, absolutely not. It's nice, not. but you, you don't need it. Right. It's, you know, that's just like the, 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 yeah. the cherry on top. But if you really want to do something, you'll find a way and it's going to be like a journey and mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you'll eventually get better equipment and, and have more um, experience and so on and so on. Yeah. I find that like, so, I never even thought about like asking anybody else, like, how do I do this? I just started doing it. I was just doing yeah, stuff. And then I want to find out and the next thing, you know, I'm doing it. Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, Granted, there's nothing wrong with asking people questions, please, you know, right. but I'm just saying but that like- you put yourself through the school of life in this arena, right? Yeah. You, you just said like, I'm compelled to do this thing and I will do anything to learn it. And a lot of the times that does mean jumping in and doing it. And um, again, it sounds like you've come across people like this. I know I certainly have. They think that in asking the question that you have some secret. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. that they don't have yet. Totally. And you're yeah. like, here's the really unsexy part. Sure. There's yeah. no fucking shortcuts. You are now the adult in the room. Figure it out. Totally. You know, I get mm-hmm. I get a lot of the like, like how can I get in the DJing? It's like, I've been DJing professionally since 2017. Mm-hmm. Maybe people like see me doing this now because like I post more about it now. But like, it's not like I just started doing this last week and I can give you some answer. Just start doing it. You have to start doing it. There's no shortcut. You know, it's like, how can I be on the radio, Abby? Well, totally. And that happens a lot. (laughs) And it happens a lot, um, you know, and there are, you know, some instances where I get to interact with like more college students that, you know, will ask questions about their podcast and like pointers. I don't mind that at all. And and, and like kind of to your point, it's like, I don't want to come off as if I don't enjoy people who are on the quest or want to ask questions because I, I'm like a wind-up toy. I'll keep talking until they get tired. But at the same time, um, you know, there, there's so much faltering along the way. Again, I think that there's so many situations where you feel like somebody just wants the quick answer. Just be like, all you have to do is apply. Um, sure. But the I, reality yeah. is I had to do like probably four to five years of really shitty shows yeah. Yeah. where I didn't have my own voice. And I was mimicking what I thought other people who were good at it sounded like in my mind. But it probably took a really long time to be myself. And that might have been the turning point where it actually started working. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But yeah, you're a clumsy, shitty mess at the beginning. I totally get, you know, people want the quicker payoff or that you see somebody even on socials that you're like, well, how did this happen for them? Well, that's like, the well, thing. it wasn't overnight, dude. Nobody, nobody. <laughs> Most of the time it was not. Yeah. yeah. People very rarely post the the stuff that they don't want you to see. I, yeah, you I, know, like, I've encouraged yeah. people who are doing things like, let's say you have somebody who's like, um, like a woodworker or like somebody who makes something and be like, you, you, there's nothing wrong with letting people in on the process. Even if you fuck up, you might actually reach somebody better that way because at least you're being real, but you're absolutely right. Like we're seeing the highlight reel. We're seeing the end result. We're seeing the finish line. That's not what it is. And also you're cheating yourself if you jump to the finish line. It's a whole like slew of experiences that you'll have yeah. uh, in, in failing upwards <laughs> in a way. Mm -hmm. And you'll get a lot of those people that we were already talking about before too, where it's like they're in it and then realize that it's not actually like what they want to be doing once they see what it actually is. Once it's like, yeah. oh, like we actually have to write these songs. What do you mean we have to practice every week? What right. do you mean that I only have five minutes to get my gear on and off stage? Right. You know, all of that stuff that it compounds. And I think it is, I mean, understandably, it is hard. And I think it is hard for a lot of people. And I, you do that yeah. for so many years and it's like, yeah, or you it kind of sucks. A band like, you know, on, on stage somewhere, like, you know, a big venue. And um, I always try to pause, like anytime that you even see a band that's doing well and, you know, in, as a musician, if like you feel that tinge of jealousy, where you're like, oh man, I wish I was doing that. Be like, never forget that those dudes played on the floor of a shitty bar on a Tuesday night and nobody for watched sure. them except the other bands. Yeah. You know, sure. that always has to happen. Like that's that's the reality of probably what so, gave them yeah. the experience. And then to they do didn't well. quit. And they didn't quit. Mm -hmm. One of the downfalls that I have found um, being an aging musician um, that has experience and now I'm in bands with, everybody's been in bands now at this point for 10, 15, 20, 25 years, depending on, you know, some of these people are getting up there. We're all, we're all getting, we're not getting any younger. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so we've been through it. And a negative side effect that happens sometimes is like, say you're starting up a new band. Everybody has this like, well, I've already done the shitty gigs in my other bands. So now I don't want to do it with this new band. And it's like, you know, regardless of how much experience we may have individually outside of this, this yeah. is a new thing and we yeah. have to start at the bottom again. Exactly. Yeah. And that's a hard pill to swallow, I think, for some time. Like as you get, you know. Yeah. As you mature. Right. As you mature, you start <laughs> to get also, to the age where you don't yeah. have to do this shit anymore. Also, maybe you don't want to be on a six band bill and go on at 1 a.m. to oh, play yeah. to five people when you're 50, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's just like, I, I kind of get it, but Yeah. Full circle on the podcast thing, though, too, is you want to do it? Here's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. You know? That's the thing is just like, you know, it doesn't matter what bands we've been in or how long we've been playing. If we want to go to Chicago and play a show, chances are our first show might not be the best. Yeah. <laughs> chances are our fourth show might not be the best. Right. But if we want to do this, we need to actually go have a good attitude, be nice to people and fucking rock their goddamn socks off, right? Yeah, totally. That's all we could do. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. if you go with a shitty attitude and play shitty and why even bother? I'm super grateful with the the crew and the makeup of the people in Tiny Wars um, that we have probably had a nice variety in the time that we've been playing out of shitty gigs and then bonkers mm -hmm. like opportunities that we've, we're like all looking at each other and kind of pinching ourselves that we're getting to do. And regardless of which one of those we end up in, we have a blast. Like, and we yeah. take care of each other. And so like, I can even think that we had a gig that was like, not what we expected. And we sat up after the gig, like and closed the place down just with each other. And that might be part of the secret sauce of what, keeps the heartbeat going of that is that even on a shitty gig, we still want to spend time with each other. Yeah. You know, we still want to be around each other. And, and we even like, we recently did um, like a little weekend away with each other. Yeah. And I, I felt tearful when we, it was wrapped up, you know, and that's, that's special too. Cause I don't know that um, I've always felt connected and close to people that I've been in bands with, but I don't know if they could all break my heart in one full salute, you know, <laughs> but like everybody in Tiny Wars like owns a part of me 
right now. And, and I, I'm grateful for it, um, but it, it would always make it that no matter what opportunity we have, we're going to have a really good time because we want to be around each other. Yeah, and that's super duper important. And it's also really important too, like as you get, Again, we keep on saying as you get older, that's like the fucking theme of this goddamn podcast. Hey, hey, our knee. <laughs> you know? That was my knee. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that was my dentures. <laughs> they popped out of my mouth. Um, you know, as 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 we as we fall apart day by day, um, it's important to note that like, you know, we all have other things that we could be doing. So it's important that, you know, not only I used to think about, okay, this is, this is how I'm going to phrase this. So I used to always think about shows in the aspect of like, you need to be empathetic towards the people that are coming out to the show because this is their night off and they're deciding to spend this time to see you and these other people play music, right? And pay for it. And pay for it, right? Mm -hmm. But also now, you know, we have lives and jobs and families. It's like, also, this is my time off. In a yeah. way, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not always getting paid to play shows with my band. Right. You know, so if I'm doing this, I want to make sure that I'm with people that I like and that I'm having a good fucking time yeah. because it's all, if, if I'm not having a good time, somebody else has a bad time in the band and then we play like shit. And then the people that pay That's to come true. see us are having a bad time. And it's like a domino mm -hmm. effect totally. of just yeah. like... Yeah, right. But the situation we do have in Tiny Wars is not a, a given and it's kind of a privilege, you know? I agree. I yeah. do see that because, you you know, like you said before, you, you might just get along with your bandmates and everything, but it might not be this like super deep friendship, you know? Yeah. And that's okay too. But when it does happen, it's definitely a gift that and something you want to cherish yeah, and, absolutely. And, and nourish, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're aware of that. So with the band, mm -hmm. with Tiny Wars right now, I know that you recently released a single. We we did actually like two back-to-back. -back. So this was an interesting uh, way to go about it because I think that um, we probably are also coming from the same school of thought that you have to have a physical product when you're, you know, done at the end of the day and something that you can like sell at shows and, and have money, you know, to do the next thing. Right? Dinosaur thinking. Also, we we're cursed. love merch. We're kind of, well, right? well, no, I listen. We're merch whores. I love, <laughs> love merch. <laughs> love merch. We have a lot of merch. Um, and that being said, you know, I, I feel like we had looked at doing a couple songs and and one of the big, you know, narratives was like, okay, we'll do this as like a seven inch vinyl. That makes sense. And then I think we started looking at the price of that and like, how long is that going to take to do? And what ultimately is the payoff? Like if you, if you can make a record, I could see profitability for that. If you're making a seven inch, that's a little bit harder. I'm not saying that's impossible, but it's a little bit harder of, um, of a sell for folks because you have to charge more and it's two songs, right? Mm -hmm. When you can rent it for free on any streaming service that you want. Yeah. Sure. Um, so in that sense, we, I think, embraced the opportunity and or challenge to just change our thinking about how to do it. And again, kind of um, removing what, what we have experienced in the past is correct, which is we must make CDs. You know, now we're like, no, okay, let's try a digital release and see if we can change the metrics. Like, let's see if we can change what we deem as an important metric for the band. Um, and I feel so happy to like kind of see how we approached and adapted to that. So we did one release in July, which was a, a kind of a punkier song called Neubad, which is about um, uh, Sue's hometown. Well, I shouldn't say it's not, it's not really about your hometown. It's about a situation in your hometown of which you named it. I'll let you speak on that if you'd like to. I don't know how uh, much you want to tell everybody. That sums it up pretty well. Okay. I like to listen to you. Okay. Go on. Great. <laughs> and then the second single just came out last Friday and um, it's called Hopeless Place. And I would say from like, you know, the variety of what Tiny Wars can do, one, you know, Neubad being very punky and, and more aggressive and purposeful. And then you have hopeless place, which is just like dreamy and haunting. And like, that's our new wave, um, flex there. 
And so I love that they kind of came out that way because if somebody was not aware of us before, that is a really nice cross-section sure. of the kind of music that we're making, but it also gives us a bunch of lanes to do everything in between it. Um, so I'll be interested to see kind of from the writing process, like what we gained from doing those songs that way and, you know, falling in love with them for different reasons, like kind of where that then yeah. puts us in a creative path. It's funny to talk about like releasing these songs that are, you know, different stylistically and it being like so different, but like, it's really not. You know, like if you yeah. think about like the stuff that like I grew up listening to, it's just like Susie and the Banshees or like The Cure. How many roads True. did those bands go down? Like you have like yeah. punkier stuff, dreamier stuff, and it's all the same artists. And it's right. like, I don't know what happened where we fell down this path unintentionally of like having to box in artists so much. It, because it's easier to market. It's easier to sell. And this generation now that I think we even maybe have modeled this idea of a digital release and like, how is it actually working today versus how we knew it to work 10 years ago or 15 years yeah. ago, they refuse the box. They will not be put in it. They will make whatever music makes them mm -hmm. happy. Um, they'll do as many projects as they want to do. And like, there's like some part of me, you know, we've, we always talk kind of like lovingly about getting older because there's, I think something beautiful about that as well. But I always feel like the youth still comes from watching what they're doing and not being turned off by it. Like when you watch somebody younger and how they approach music or how they even approach like language in a lot of ways, you know, we always can joke about how like, you know, this generation talks about Riz and shit, but I, I there's a part of me that loves Did that. Did you say Riz? Yeah, the Riz <laughs> is strong. You can't let somebody... <laughs> but that's what I'm saying is like, it, it's that when you still have a mindset to observe younger people and not say that's stupid, you still have a ton of potential for growth, no matter how old mm -hmm. you are. Right. So I, we might be more seasoned than they are or classic, if you will. Yeah. But, yeah, of course. but we can learn from them too. And I we find can still it, grow. Yeah. You know, one thing that I really like um, is that if I hear a new hot band, like something that all the all the youngsters like, mm -hmm. and if I don't get it, that excites me. It like makes right? me happy to know that I don't understand what these people like. Yeah. Because yeah. that's like, I know that like when I was, you know, 12 years old and listening to like corn or whatever, I'm sure there were people who are like, I don't get it but I loved it. It meant everything to me. So I might not understand what these kids are listening to, but if they feel the same way that I felt about the shit that I was listening to, great. That's what else? It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be for me. I have such joy in watching people have a good fucking time. Yeah. I really love it. And even like my kid, I'm, I'm never gatekeeping with her on things that she likes. And I kind of remember, not that they gatekeeped necessarily, because I liked a lot of the stuff that my parents liked. And I feel like you had that situation with your dad, like the stuff that he listened to and your mom listened to, you were like, this is great. Excellent choices, everybody. But I remember like when I would like something that was not within those confines, my parents would kind of like, you know, razz me a little bit on that. And they'd be like, that sucks. Sure. And that made it all the more important to oh, yeah. get into, right? <laughs> oh yeah. And so I- I felt I, like I was on the right track when they yeah, didn't like you it. you knew it. Like, you're oh, like, yeah, we're living now. Yeah, we uh -huh. got it. But so like, even I watch that with, you know, my daughter's pretty young, but like, if she likes K-pop, you know, mm -hmm. and I don't get K-pop, I try to get K-pop. I just try to like, not say anything about it or create a negative connotation for her. Sure. In some way being like, right. well, maybe this instead of that. Um, every once in a while, I'll try to influence her. She got into um, like a little bit of Miley Cyrus and Kelly Clarkson. I was like, hey, that's cool. Have you ever listened to Paramore? Maybe you'll like Paramore. And it was like, whatever. She took a little sip of it and was like, ah, whatever. Not her path. I, I, I have to let it go. <laughs> it's so funny, like how important it is to like find something that is your own thing. Yeah. When you're younger, you know, I, my parents were never really um, pushy against anything that I listened to. But I remember like my dad's like, he's the the three M's, Maiden, Megadeth, Metallica. That's good you dad. Know, that's fucking him. <laughs> um, but you know, and like I grew up around that stuff and 
I loved all that stuff. But, you know, it's funny. It's like my favorite band when I was in first grade was Iron Maiden, you know? That's pretty awesome. But then like things <laughs> right? happened where it's like when you're in second or third grade and you're, you know, eight or nine years old, however old I was, I don't remember the ages, but, you know, around that time period, there's no way that Green Day releases Dookie and you don't love it. Yeah. And then you start to find your own things, you know? And then it's like my dad didn't give a shit about any of that, but it was like, whatever. And then mm-hmm. like corn happened and Slipknot, you know, all this stuff happens as you become yeah. a teenager. And it's like, yeah, that's way different than the stuff that like I grew up with, which now is objectively the coolest out of any of it. Right. But still there's <laughs> that time period when I was a kid where I was like, I need my own thing. I want to listen to Green Day and Rage Against the Machine and the Smashing Pumpkins, all of the, all the radio stuff in the nineties, totally. you know, that's, that's, yeah. that, that's what it was. But uh, you know, there was something even texturally about music that, um, if my daughter finds on her iPad or whatever that like, you know, um, electronic music and she tells me all the time that she loves EDM and I'm like, do you? Okay, that's fine. Um, But what I think is funny is like, if I'm listening to the radio um, and the example that it comes to mind is like, I think I was listening to DVE and REM's Losing My Religion came on and she stopped and she said, this sounds so weird. <laughs> and I kind of was like, what's weird about it? But then, Just like organic instruments. I think that was it. Because yeah. then, wow. but then again, you go back to going, yeah. you know, not everything is for you, but also the context of what does she hear all the time? That sounds different than what she hears all the time. She doesn't know how to personify it, so she says it sounds weird. Well, it's way janglier than it's the super stuff jangly. That she I was and it's not too. like it's not quantized. It's not I was robotic. Just gonna say mm-hmm. like a lot of young people. I think like the TikTok generation, they might think that singing sounds like um, Siri. Or like a, with the voice correction, <laughs> like the um, um, auto-tune. Like, auto-tune. Yeah. yeah. Because it's on almost every mainstream pop, R&B and hip hop track these days. Yeah. It's just like, it's a stylistic um, element that's just a, the, it, the basics and these days. Yeah, it, it sounds so like- So they, they, when you hear them like record themselves singing or video themselves singing a song on TikTok, mm-hmm. they kind of like emulate these like auto-tune sounds. Have you ever noticed that? Because oh they yeah, think because they think that's how that you that's, sing. That's correct. That's pitch how or something. A, that's how a voice is supposed to sound. Mm-hmm. That's mind blowing to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like they, that's all they know. Well, it, it gets and they think like that's a- how you're supposed to sing when that's how you sing well. Yeah. And to that point, you know, <laughs> the, the times we've been lucky to get um, opportunities to do all ages shows. And I think sometimes when you go into that, you're like, all right, these kids are either going to love this or they're going to fucking hate it. And any time that we see a little bit of that spark where there's like little kids at the merch table. And even if they're not going to buy something, they're like, sign me. Mm-hmm. You're like, that's <laughs> awesome. Because, yeah. you know, again, what they might have schematically in front of them as this is what music sounds like. If you can like kind of crack that veneer a little bit and go, it does. And also it sounds like this. Did this make you feel something? Like, that's cool. Like, uh, Sue's seen me do it before, if, especially because I guess I, ha- I have a kid. I don't know. I probably would be like this anyway like people who can't refrain from like petting somebody's dog or something like that. But like if a kid comes up to the merch table, I'm like, what grade are you in? <laughs> oh, do you like your teacher? You know, I, I, I lose my mind. I go, I go out of being like cool rock and roll right into like- Yeah, who cares? Do you have a cat? Like, uh-huh. you know, yeah, I just, I love cute. that. I love that. There's I, a lot of young girls that seem to feel empowered after seeing us. And that's to me, that's the, that's the biggest freaking- compliment there yeah. is because that means we're doing something right. We're authentic. You know, you, you, a live, a good live show, you can't like, you can't put a filter on that or anything. Like it either comes across or it doesn't, you know? Yeah. You can't fake that shit. Mm-hmm. And when it comes across, then that's, 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 big, that's, that's what I live for. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think that no matter what, there's always going to be counterculture. You know, counterculture influences everything and it has for a very long time. Mm. Sometimes, I mean, how many cool things have come from the underground that will say the man, air quote, 
takes and regurgitates their own little like, you know, crappy version of. And marketable. Yeah, you know, it, it always happens. But with that being said, there's always people that are interested in like the air quote real stuff, you know, oh, yeah. like I do um, some all ages DJ events and I do like the the new metal party that I do. We do a lot of all ages for that. Nice. And the the young crowds that we've had coming out to the shows is mind blowing. Is new metal me. having a revival? Totally. Because of the whole 90s craze that's going on well, right I mean, now? It's, so like it's new metal, like you'd put in the aughts, right? Like the early aughts? Yeah. I mean, I would say 94 to 2004. Right. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. I saw Euro dances back too. Yeah. <laughs> and I was kind of delighted about that. Yeah, I think that like yeah. it's just things come in those those cycles. There's the 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 the, the 20 25 year sort of cycle right, thing. Totally. Like, you know, a decade ago there was, you know, a handful of pop punk bands that all of a sudden were trying to sound like Nirvana. And now, you know, we're going to have a handful of metal bands that are trying to sound like Korn again. And then oh, yeah. you know what I'm. You know what I'm. Feel so old. Well, you oh know what God. I'm dreading the uh, the, uh, the 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 MySpace rock revival that oh, is going to be wolf. inevitable. Oh, wolf! Tila Tequila comes back from the grave. Oh, hell yeah! <laughs> yeah, you know. Whatever happened to her? Uh, probably nothing good. Unfortunately, I, I do yeah. want to say that maybe we don't want to know. The trajectory was not promising. Yeah. Yeah, but I maybe mean, she's great. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Eventually, <laughs> there's going to be a bunch of bands that come back that are trying to sound like uh, who were the like Attack Attack or Chiodos or yeah, yeah. any of those bands that's going to come back. See, the funny thing, you know, even going back to counterculture is like the time where um, emo was having its moment was the time that I was about as deep into heavy metal as I could be. So it's a weird thing too, but especially with my day job that that's like a period of time I just can't account for. Yeah, like it's yeah. just one of, you know, I just wasn't in it. Yeah. Um, and I, I wasn't- was also a couple of years too old. A lot of the kids that were super into emo were probably born, yeah. I, I want to say like 1989 and up. Totally. Somewhere is in that, there, is for that, sure. No, like, yeah, well, yeah. Like, I was born in 1985 and I always felt like yeah. I was just a few years ahead. So but, there, there were, the, yeah, they were these young kids. They were like teenagers when I was already maybe 20. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. That's totally. how I remember it. That's just my personal I experience. I just started with so. the grunge stuff, skipped, and then came back. <laughs> I remember being, it was really adjacent because at that time, like in my early 20s, when I'm starting to like really get into like playing more and more shows, I mean, you're always playing shows with bands that are younger. You know, it's inevitable. Mm -hmm. And at that time, I was just playing so many shows with so many high school bands that were all wanting to be, you know, whatever band of the week you could think of, whatever Hot Topic t-shirt band you could think of, right? <laughs> the thing that I always thought was really cool, though, was when I was in high school, the access to technology and like the equipment and things wasn't so much a thing. There was like mm -hmm. two bands in my high school. And then when I was like, you know, a decade later... I'm playing shows with like bands that go to the same high school that I went to. And there's like a dozen bands in that high school. It was oh, like yeah. being in a band became like a thing that a lot of people were doing. When I was growing up, nobody was in fucking bands. There was like only yeah. a couple. It was a lot rarer than it seemed to be in that time frame. I True. feel like that's how it was for me in high for school me too. too. Yeah. There I, was not just, there was no access to it or anything or no one w was talking about it. So it's kind of a bummer. But I remember seeing like, you know, maybe like in high school, there would be like a talent show and like a group of dudes that would have totally a band. Yeah. And, you know, that uh, honestly was probably about the time when I was like getting that feeling of being like, I should be doing that. Why mm -hmm. am I not doing that? Mm -hmm. What the fuck? I should be friends with those dudes. <laughs> you know, uh -huh. and, like you'd be like, I got to figure this out. Um, you know, no one had handed you a electric guitar or a drum set, most likely. I had a piano and of course you had a piano when I switched or a violin to, when I switched to drums my dad was very disappointed. There you go. <laughs> he was like I had a long fucking day and this it, kid is yeah. like boom, 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 you know so I was like all right maybe guitar. <laughs> We'll or they that. just assumed you might not be into that you just might be into the piano or the cello. Well, I don't know how that is nowadays but it definitely was like that when I was a little younger. What, like an expectation to stick with a certain or just category of music? Assuming that or? you might not want to play electric guitar as a girl. Yeah. 
No, mm. that's it, it is mean, fair. That is a thing. I'm not saying, you know. I think um, particularly at the time that um, Sue's a little bit younger than me, but like I, I think about the time um, frame of when we would have been exploring our musicality. There was a part of me, um, I had this conversation with somebody a couple of weeks ago um, when I was talking about like kind of starting to get into bands at 15. And the band that I got in at that time wanted me to play the keyboard and sing back up. There you go. That's, and that's all they wanted me to do. I mean, but I see? just kept not bringing my keyboard. You rebel. <laughs> I just kept bringing my guitar. And then they would be like, yeah, but cool. But could you also bring your keyboard? And I'm like, oh, this week I forgot it. And then I kind of like bullied into a guitar playing position in that band because I think I even had this idea that that was a feminine role. And I kind of wanted to buck against it. I was kind sure. of like, I don't want to be that in this. I want, no, I want to do what you're doing. Like mm-hmm. you can't fence me in. Like I will. Um, but yeah. no, I think that's, that's interesting. And you probably did that too, but also you became a drummer, which again is, I, I hate to like sound um, generalistic in that, you know, like, oh, well, girls don't play drums, but you know, Generally, yes. you're, I don't you're outnumbered. That either, and I don't know how it is nowadays. I, I can't really speak to that. I don't have children, you know. Uh, it was just for me, it was a little bit more of like, um, you know, jumping over some hurdles and like really seeking it out and really wanting it for me to start to play drums. If I think of like my dude friends in high school, I would like um, study with and go to their house, they all had like a drum set in their basement that they had since they were like six. Because at some point, like someone thought like, oh, give this, get this boy a drum set. Mm-hmm. Or they had like an electric guitar or, or whatever. Right. That was not the case. How many times did you see that in like your female friend's basement oh. or house? Never. See, it's yeah, just never. like, it's a thing. Yeah. And I remember going to some like jam sessions where like some older guys would tell me like, don't play the drums, like just play the piano or sing. Yeah. Stop. Mm -hmm. That, that has totally happened to me. And that made me think like, you know what? I'll fucking show you. Now I'm definitely That made me want it even more because (laughs) I was like, you know, it hurt. It did hurt. But at the same time, it made me feel like I'll freaking show you. Mm -hmm. Good (laughs) motivator. (laughs) I don't know. It's maybe it's not so much the case anymore. It'd be great if it wasn't because um, it's a it's a know. disservice to yeah. know, box anybody out of or gatekeep anybody out of music. I mean, I'm sure it's probably still the case in some unfortunate scenarios. Sure. But also there's like a lot of cool programs like the Girls Rock and things like that mm-hmm. where there's like areas for young people that want to get into this, like maybe not every city has things like this, but at least I know in Pittsburgh, we do. Like yeah, there are, so there are programs that, you know, yeah. are out there that encourage people to do things. Yeah. And I think that there are also like a lot of women in music in general in Pittsburgh, which is really cool. I feel like I see it more now and it's so much less of a novelty. Like I can see a great press for a band and have no idea there's even a female in it. Like, cause I've listened to the band and I, there's no point of view, like where you go, like, is there a girl in this band? Oh, like, sure. That never happens. And like, I, I do feel like at least from my observation, I don't know what the experiences of those particular people in those bands, but it just seems like it's so much more inclusive. And that's like a, a burden that you can kind of like, or like generational trauma, you can kind of let go of where you're like, oh man, they're going to figure it out. This is awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. With your time in Pittsburgh, Sue, and uh, getting to know a lot of people in the area and playing in bands and all this sort of stuff. Are you Uh, having a good time? Absolutely. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. When it comes to music, I think I have never felt more seen and more able to really um, create what had previously only lived like in, in, in my heart and in my mind and have other people really understand what I'm trying to do. Sure. That has never happened to me to, to this extent as it has happened to me in the USA or, or in Pittsburgh. 
Not sure exactly why that is. Maybe there's some just luck in there in that, or maybe it's just because Americans grow up on rock and roll way yeah. more so than people in Switzerland. Mm. Maybe that's why. But um, I have never felt like I can be myself, you know, unapologetically authentically myself as I can be in, in Pittsburgh, where you can be a total freak ass <laughs> and, and no one gives a shit. I love it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Love it. Well, you know, I think that we can probably wrap up this conversation here. I want to thank you both for taking some time to chat with me today about being old and rocking and rolling. Yeah, thank That's you pretty so much. much for making me feel super ancient. <laughs> no, this was this was super cool and you're always super insightful as well. And, yeah, um, that's interesting. Nice Thank to relate you. to other musicians who have had different paths, but similar experiences. Totally. Well, you know, if you want to do any of the sort of uh, tell people where to find your stuff, you could probably just look up Tiny Wars on the internet. Use the Google or Ask Jeeves, whatever search engine yes, you prefer. Ask, ask or, the little paperclip on your Microsoft um, <laughs> Word app. But yeah, it's, I would say we're most active on Instagram, which yes, is uh, at, at Tiny, tiny dot dot Wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, again, uh, Sue. Abby, Tiny Wars, thank you so much for being here. Shout outs to all of the other members of the band that are not here. Rocco, Aaron, and Dennis. They're here in spirit. And uh, that's it. You know, I'll be back again next week with another episode. Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Brian. Start the Beats, the name of this show. Please like, subscribe, follow. Don't give me your money. Give it to somebody else that needs it. That's my your nice task for the day. Be kind to yourself. Be kind to the people around you. Peace.